Welcome back to the Nest College Football Podcast. My name is Chris, and we got... Tony! And this is Season 2, Episode 10. we got a great show for you today, as always. We've got the National Landscape, we've got some Temple Talk, and don't forget to leave us a voicemail at 614-504-3614. First, let's hit it with the intro song. Before we hit the national landscape, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Nest CFB. Tony, let's hit it off with the national landscape. First things first. It is Ohio State Michigan Hate Week as of right now, officially. Currently, as we speak, there are students, fans walking all around Columbus and University Village right? University district that are putting up red X's, red electrical tape over every single M in sight. One of my coworkers texted me yesterday and said she's got her red duct tape ready to go and climb up a ladder tomorrow morning to mark the Michigan flag hanging in our facility with a big old red X. Mm. So, I love seeing those red X's everywhere. It just, it, it, it fuels, I, I clearly was not a part of this rivalry um, growing up, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't move the meter as much for me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't you mean? It yeah. does, right? I can appreciate a great rivalry, you know, but... I appreciate my Yankees Red Sox rivalry more than any rivalry I'll ever appreciate. You know? Yeah. What's your rivalry you appreciate more than, like, anything? In in, in college football? Any sport. Any sport. And then, any sport and then college football, if it's not college football. I mean, I I enjoy my Kansas basketball. you know, it's not just one team. Obviously, Kansas State, Kansas is always big when they is go. Is that to your rivalry? Where like you have the deep, you have a deep hatred for the other team, no matter what. Well, here's the thing: I don't like Kansas State, but I think the biggest thing about about a rival is when they think they're good, but they're really not, and they talk. You know, they talk a lot, and then you know, for instance, Yankees Red Sox this year. Those games, even though it's Yankees-Red Sox, Red Sox weren't very good this year. So even though the rivalry was there, it really wasn't It's still, it's, I mean, but the true, true rivalries, like, no matter how good or the other team is, there's still, like, a show up and a show out, you know, for that rivalry. For, like, a true, you know, rav- equal rivalry on both sides. And I think yeah. you don't find that. A lot. It's rare. Your Yankees, Red Sox, your Michigan, Ohio State, no matter how bad Michigan is, there's still going to be that, like, this is the most important game of the year. Where if you were to equate, like, Temple, Penn State, like, Temple's biggest rivalry is Penn State, but Penn State's biggest rivalry is not Temple. You know, similar in that situation where 
there's very few where that like big rivalry is equal on both sides. Yeah. For I me, would say for... moves the needle every time is Yankees, yeah. Red, Sox. Red Sox. Yeah. I would say, you know, Kansas basketball against Kansas State. But I, whenever they go on the road uh, in the Big 12 Conference, you know, every every not this year, but every fan base, the stadium's rocking when Kansas shows up. So I feel that my meter moves whenever they play on the road during conference play, wherever they go. I like it. I like it. Because I... You like if you ask anyone Texas Oklahoma, they're gonna say uh, Texas Oklahoma. That's the biggest rivalry. And those teams, no matter how bad they are, we saw it this year. Like they show up and show out for that game. And I just find that it's so appre- I appreciate it a lot. I guess I guess from the outside perspective, you know, I definitely enjoy a good football game, and that I think the Ohio State Michigan, you know, as an outside perspective, you live in Columbus, so you feel that. You see it, I guess, as an outside big fan, I'm aware of the game, the stakes, the hatred. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at, like, man, Ohio State's going to destroy that. Yeah, it's not going to move your needle. But if you're in Ann Arbor or if you're in Columbus, right, it'll move your needle a bit more. Yeah. And for me, this week and last year during this hate week of Thanksgiving week last year, it, it did the same thing, right? Um, and we'll see it again no matter how. I mean, Michigan's a 30-point a dog to Ohio State this week, and I see that growing exponentially if the game is played, right? And uh, it's yep. a big if. But right now, no. looking like we're playing a football game on Saturday at noon, and it's a bummer because that game is in Columbus this year, and I was going to go to the game this year. That was my plan all along. But it seems as though, obviously, we can't be going to a game. And then guess what? Next year, it's back at Michigan. So I'd yeah. love to be able to go to that that game in person. I mean, I will go to it eventually. Whether I go to Michigan next year or I wait another two years to freaking go, go to it. Now, did you see a... Uh... I know we mentioned this, and you did, you did an amazing job speculating last uh, episode. Now it's if been you, talked a bit more. Have you noticed well, that? Well, Herb Street, Herb Street brought it up during the college football playoff show they had on Tuesday and immediately had to – I guess he got a lot of um, feedback. He immediately apologized to the University of Michigan for saying that and speculating to that point. <laughs> So uh, he has, I think his, he went to Ohio State, and I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if he had a, a child go, but so he... No, his child about, goes to Clemson. Clemson, I guess he has two boys at Clemson. Uh, but uh, he is part of that rivalry, and, and I feel like he let his inner you know, Ohio State come yeah, out. I guess a little bit, but he is one of the most like unbiased um, media personalities ever. And you, oh yeah, I agree. And he, like, I put him in a like, maybe all time, because you know that Desmond Howard went to Michigan, and he makes it known pretty often on that show. Oh yeah. Uh, if you asked me, like, three weeks ago, a month ago, where did Herb Street go to college? I would have been like, did he go? Did he play in college? Like. You have no idea, you know? 
he does not really talk about his his playing time one and two he doesn't talk about his alma mater much and like and that, that's just him i think and his, his media personality and he yep. he won't he won't uh he barely will talk about like his own kids he won't call he won't make the selection for games that he's calling just like a willy-nilly you know just like picking a game like on a yep. show like it has nothing to do like there's no money right he's just calling the game but he won't even make that selection because he's just so um, he 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 walks that line so carefully on uh, being being called biased. So I don't even think that was like his Ohio State bias coming out. I think he was genuinely like, this is how Michigan could screw over Ohio State. And for Michigan to like, I guess bark barks I guess bark. Pr- a good amount, you know, could that be yep. them playing like defense and getting all defensive when like, hey, shut up, like that's not our plan. Meanwhile, it's their plan the whole time. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I feel like we did a good job kind of mentioning the possibility of it happening. Now we'll see in the next couple of days what because uh, they I, I heard somewhere that they had a high amount of cases supposedly, um, and right now the game's still on. But, I mean, we're, we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting. And if, if they do have to do it, how, what, you know, how is the media and Ohio State and how does that go over? It's going to be interesting. Agreed. And uh, it sucks that this game's at noon. It should be like a 4 p.m. game or a 7 p.m. game. Not a noon. Which, which that sucks a bit, but... I'll be watching for sure. For sure. Uh, who do you got in the game? <laughs> um, I got the Buckeyes, Ohio's... by the way. I just want to get ahead on that. Yeah, I would say Ohio State. All right. Uh, perfect. We can move on to the, the next. <laughs> it's a matter of the score. I, I mean, under, over, under. I don't know. Is there a cover? Do they cover the 30-point spread that is currently there right now? That would be interesting. But Buckeyes, Buckeyes in a runaway. Yeah, and I think they cover as well. Next up, we've got the Vandy versus Georgia game that I picked as my game of the week last week, which ended up getting postponed, along with seven other games for eight total games postponed which is or canceled, which is actually our lowest um, since we had that 15-game high uh, four or five weeks ago, which is good. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait another week to see our girl Sarah Fuller get back in and uh, and, and and suit up for well, the. It was pretty pretty interesting. As soon as they postponed the Georgia game, the Vanderbilt locker room busted out in cheers and celebration, and Sarah Fuller was pretty proud of them. <laughs> wait, what? Well, they didn't have to play number eight Georgia or whatever they're ranked now. <laughs> the whole Vanderbilt locker room busted out cheering. And she was, she was, you know, taken away by it. Was that a real she, thing? No, I just made it up. Oh my god! I was about to say, what's the scoop? She wanted them to cheer more. Well, now they don't have to play a national oh, team. I thought she would be away. like, you guys don't want to compete against the top team in the country. You guys are cheering that you don't have to play because that's something yeah. she would say too. That's just probably what she, yeah, she because she's got that competitive nature. Yeah, where they, the rest of the football team clearly does not. Yes. 
Yep. Uh, we can move on to what was actually the the biggest game of the week was the BYU versus Coastal Carolina, Ooh. which you called a week ago uh, on the show, and uh, and we got it. We got our, our we got that Liberty ended up, which was your game of the week, right? But you did yes. mention how BYU should be playing Coastal. Liberty dropped out because of COVID. And the Mormons stepped up, and we got the Mormons versus Mullets. Which was a cool shirt. Was a cool shirt. The guy made, like, the guy sold 200 shirts out in, like, an hour. He, like, sold out. Um, what a game, though. Down to the last, last second on the one-yard line. What an electric game. Did you watch that whole game? I did. Oh, man. I mean, that's, that's just some great football both offenses were for flying too and I, I just i loved it i loved it came down the seven seconds and i thought they were gonna go deep they end up going like a 12 yard out to the sideline get three knock off four seconds three seconds left throws it across the middle and uh byu receiver gets obliterated at the one yard line and it cannot outstretch for the goal line what a game that was! An ending, right? Yeah, I mean, just a fun game between two highly ranked teams, but two teams that you, you normally don't think about uh, having an opportunity to be be in the top ten. It was awesome. It came together, but uh, I I honestly thought um, Coastal Carolina, the way their offenses offenses set up, they they I think I feel like they run the same stuff against every team. Where BYU really needs to uh, game plan more and be, you know, that preparation's vital towards who they're playing. And I feel like that short, that short window that each team had to prepare, I felt like Coastal Carolina was uh, better equipped to win the game. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I did think BYU was going to win this game. They do drop in the AP poll six spots. They're down to 14 now. And they're probably going to drop significantly in the college football playoff. Now, where does Coastal move up in the college football playoff? Does this earn them respect or not really because it was only a 13th ranked team and they were 18th? Do they go inside the top 15 or or not? Oh, I say, I say uh, it's definitely inside the top 15. Where do you think they sit? Uh... Let me see. Let me look at the uh, what we got. Um, I think they sit. Whew, I think they sit. I feel like they're they would be a. I don't know. I would say probably eleventh. Because we got some idle teams that are gonna have to move down. Yes, I, I, I'm. I'm interested to see. I, I feel like. You know, they got a signature victory, but it's hard to put them above Georgia and Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Um, I would say I would put them at uh, 12. Because they're, they're, of the teams ranked above them, four of them lost. So at least my my question was really dumb because I clearly didn't look at this. At least they're at number 14, right? Oh, yeah. So for, are they for, in the top 10 is a better question. I think they're outside the top 10. I, I, I just look at the teams, you know, Cincinnati I, didn't play, Miami was yeah, there. Yeah, I, I don't see them. I, obviously, uh, the Georgia's not moving. Iowa State's not moving. And Miami won't move because of that 
that 48 to nothing win. The only where I could see is um, Indiana's going to the top 10, I believe, right? I think Indiana goes to seven or eight. Do you think they jump Cincinnati? Yeah. Really? Okay. I'm interested to see that. Uh, Cincinnati's got a. We'll talk about this here in a little bit. I'm making a case for Coastal to be, I mean, at 11, right? Or or 12 at the worst. That's what I'm thinking. Because I don't. Do do you jump in Oklahoma that just won 27 to 14 over Baylor? You don't touch a a team that just beat Duke 48 nothing and shut out Duke or an Iowa State team that won 42 to six. So they're they're both. I think Georgia actually drops out of the top 10 potentially. Yeah. They they didn't play that Vanderbilt game. Um, And I see uh, Indiana going to at least number eight. And then I see Iowa State bumping Georgia and maybe Miami staying where they are bumping up and then Coastal getting 10 or 11. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, but I want you to think of this big picture. This was an FCS team in 2016. That's I know. It's wild. It's wild. It's crazy. Same with crazy. Liberty, too. Both of them were just fresh FBS schools. Yes. Fresh. Off the press. Speaking of fresh off the press, Shane Beamer. Fresh off the press at uh, Oklahoma. I don't know why I wrote it as Arkansas, but Oklahoma assistant head coach now named the head coach for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, He was the tight ends coach and assistant head coach for the OU Sooners. Um, We'll see how that works out. It's called Beamer Ball is his, the way he plays and the way he runs his, uh, his offense. That was the title of the article. Beamer Ball. Comes to the Gamecocks, so um, I know not much. Of, I don't know much about him, but uh, there's a new sheriff in town in South Carolina. Yeah, well, his dad was the coach for Virginia Tech for a number of years, uh, Frank Beamer. There we go. So, that name sounds familiar now. Yeah, so he's got he's got some background, um, but being he's a young coach, 43, and anytime you take over a uh, SEC job, that's when you're a team that's struggling, you got to first. You got to get there. Got to recruit, put a system in, and, and build it from the bottom. So, good luck to to Coach Beamer in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of luck, we haven't talked much about. You like these transitions this week? But we're on fire. We haven't we haven't talked much about the Heisman, and nobody has really talked much about the Heisman at all this year, and. You watch College Game Day, it's not really talked about. ESPN, College Football Show, not much is it. It's talked about during games as well. I've heard a couple. The only name I've really heard was Ian Book. Uh, but the updated odds right now, as of December 5th, evening of December 5th, who do you think is the front runner for the Heisman Trophy? I would say. Just thinking about it off the top of my head here, um, just based off purely numbers, Kyle Trask. He was last week the front runner, but this week there is a new front runner. Mac Jones? Yep. 
Mac Jones minus one thirty five, and then Kyle Trask is plus one ten. Everyone else is two thousand plus two thousand or more. Wow, it's um, exciting. Yeah, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are both third in the current odds. Then we're getting into so it's Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Justin Fields, and Lawrence are are third. Tied for third. Then we're getting into Devonte Smith, wide receiver to Alabama, is uh, plus 3,000. Then we're going Ian Book, quarterback at Notre Dame, is plus 6,000. And then these three are tied for plus 20,000. Brees Hall, running back at Iowa State. Derek King, quarterback at Miami, who actually uh, came out and announced that he was battling COVID. Uh, at some point. Um, and then Zach Wilson, QB at BYU. Those are our Heisman frontrunners. Um, no flashy names. The only flashy names are your Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Everyone else is pretty much a new name. Um, Marketing-wise, out on the, uh, um, the college football landscape. But essentially, anything of plus three thousand or more is is considered a a heavy long shot. I think the the cool thing is I just looked it up the the Heisman date when they announced is January the fifth. Wow, a whole month back, a little ways away. But the cool thing is is based off those odds that you just talked about, Trask and Mac Jones will compete against each other in the SEC championship game. So that game may have not only stakes college football playoff-wise, but even, I think, as, as a college football fan, you get to watch two of the top Heisman candidates go at it. Yeah, definitely, number one, number two. And what we never really see is the Heisman get decided before, let me, sorry, after conference championships. You know, I mean... Because it's usually the first weekend or second weekend of December. Yeah, I mean, we I mean we never get to see any bowl games or playoffs, right? So this is no. the first time we're going to see any of that. We'll know the national championship. Um, there'll only be one game left once you're doing once you're at the Heisman ceremony. There'll only be one game left um, in the season. So I until the spring season, obviously. But I like it. I am. A fan of that, and I hope that sticks. I hope we're talking January for the future, and maybe the Heisman will actually stay at this time frame. I think this makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, that I mean, I don't have, I don't personally have a favorite at all. And I, I think Justin Fields was the favorite for me, and um, he's not anymore. He's just not performing to Heisman capabilities. The only thing that makes sense, if you look at Trask, he's throwing like five, four, five, six touchdowns a game. And uh, he's like smashed Joe Burrow's record um, already this season. Uh, one of his records this season, and he didn't even play a full year. So, no. um, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, though. I'm pretty excited. I, I remember you texting you last year. You know, I was able to watch some LSU games, but not all in its entirety. Knew Joe Burrow was great, but didn't know how good. I remember watching that Oklahoma game where he just terrorized Oklahoma with his accuracy and just uh, – you knew that he was 
not only the number one pick in the next draft, but you knew that he was going to be special, and he showed that before his knee injury uh, last week. I'm interested in watching uh, Kyle Trask, you know, a, a name that, you know, he was around last year, but obviously has taken that next step in the spotlight, SEC championship. That game, again, means so much to get into the playoff for Florida. I, I, I'm very interested to see how he plays. If Florida um, wins that, I know we're talking get, about Heisman. If Florida wins that, and Miami, I mean Miami, and um, Alabama loses, because Alabama's still in the playoff. Oh, man. I, I think they are. I yeah, do. I, agree. I think, I I think, think who are that out. fourth team? Yeah, they that, can leave them out. Yeah, I, I feel like Alabama may go to three or four. Which. And Florida that, goes And then that eight. leaves A&M way far out. The only way A&M gets in is if Alabama wins. Yes, uh, A&M, and they can't, obviously they can't lose. But yeah, A&M's definitely pulling for Alabama hard in that game. Yeah. But, yeah. For uh, sure. And then you got Notre Dame-Clemson, too. They, they're they going to battle it out in the ACC. That December 19th game, or that day, just in general, get your uh, popcorn ready, because that's going to be a great that's probably going to be the best college football we've had all season in one day. Oh, yeah. And fingers crossed, you know, obviously safety first. So hopefully COVID doesn't strike. But uh, yep. as of right now, the, those games are going to be – it's a special day. Yep. Speaking of games, uh, what's your game of the week? Give me it quick. Ooh, Cincinnati-Tulsa. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Dude. Two ranked teams going head-to-head. I like it. Mine is uh, number 17, UNC, versus number 10, Miami. Uh, Miami uh, demolished Duke 48 nothing last week, and they've been off two weeks prior to that, and they came back and didn't miss a beat. So look for Miami. I think Miami and Manny Diaz beats UNC. UNC is close. Expect UNC to be really good in the next two years. Um, they're getting there. They're on their way up. They'll still be a top 25 team. I think it's going to be close. But I think Miami pulls out the win. Yep. All right. Let's head to Temple Talk. So we've got some news with the Temple Owls. Anthony Russo has entered the transfer portal announcing on twitter december 3rd at 10:59 a.m. he typed up in his notes app at 10:47 a.m. and tweeted it out 12 minutes later thank you temple and i called this a week ago a week before so 2 weeks ago and of course, a Temple loves getting the breaking news out Monday morning, like right after we drop our podcast, Monday and Tuesday, without failure, like everything. Um, but first off, I would like to thank Temple University for all the memories and lessons over the past four years. Secondly, I want to thank Temple Football for helping me become the player I am today. From Coach Rule to Coach Collins to Coach Carey, I have learned so much from all of them and can't thank them enough for the opportunities. As for my teammates, the relationships we've created on and off the field are something I will cherish forever. With that being said, I've decided to enter the transfer portal and find a new home for my last year of eligibility. What a freaking bummer. But 
I wish nothing but the best for Anthony Russo. He's done some amazing things for our program. And it would have been great if, if we had Manny Diaz. I believe we would be an amazing uh, program right now. I think we'd be a top 25 team. Uh, I Carey does not want um, a, a pass-heavy quarterback. And it shows. So Russo's out. Threw for under 1,000 yards this year because he only played like four games, which sucked. Um, not you, Russo. It sucked that you couldn't play. Sorry, bud. But... I mean, it's, it's rough. It's rough. And I, I think, I mean, as a New Jersey kid, I think he stays local. I don't think he goes anywhere. He was originally committed to Rutgers, and he switched his commitment and ended up coming to Temple under rule. So I, I think I think he goes to Rutgers. That's my, that's my bold prediction. I think he goes to Rutgers, and guess what? Temple kicks off their season next year. At Rutgers. Uh, yeah, I, it's tough to lose your starting QB, especially uh, with this whole new year of eligibility. So he's able to play and use that year. Um, but if he's if he's you know from that area, Rutgers does make sense, and they're a program that's you know building from the bottom and in, in the Big Ten, and they they made some progress this year. So for him to be maybe a, a piece of that puzzle grab the starting spot and, and see what he can do in Big Ten play, uh, or the, hopefully a full non-conference Big Ten play season. Uh, it, you know, can't you can't blame the kid for leaving for a better opportunity. So, of course, of course, and and clearly there's issues in the locker room. If he loved his head coach, he wouldn't be leaving. And we kind of thought that when Quincy Roche left last year, this time that, or I mean, did he play in our bowl game? I don't even remember. How delayed. But when Chris Roche left, we thought, ah, he's grad transfer. He wants to go play and, and and boost his NFL stock, which he did. He's the number one, number one defensive lineman in the nation right now down in Miami. Number one rated by multiple sources as the number one D-line. So the man is a first-round draft pick. And I don't think he would have been on this temple team, right? Yeah. Which, which is, he has the talent, but he wouldn't be the number one on this temple team. Uh, he'd be top 10, but we thought that was, ah, he's a grad transfer. He wants to get out and boost his NFL stock, which could be obviously reasons for all these other guys. Raymond Davis leaving, uh, Santeo leaving, um, Russo leaving, Kenny Yaboa leaving last year too. Now, when Yaboa and Quincy Roche left, that was a wasn't much. Now there's a trend, a serious trend of the best p- players in the program are walking away from Rod Carey, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's because of Rod Carey. But we're stuck. We're in a pickle. We can't do anything. We can't pay a, a, an eight million dollar buyout to Rod Carey. And get rid of them. We're stuck for another four years. So yeah. it's shitty. It's shitty because Temple football uh, was a top program in the nation, and it will not be a top program, I don't believe, under Rod Carey. So we'll go back in the dumps for another five years, and then hopefully we get somebody good. Yep, I think um, all you can do right now is root 
for, I know it's hard to, to root for Rod Carey after a year of, you know, after this type of year, but, you know, you're, you're a fan of the program and you only want success for the program and hopefully Rod Carey can bring his players in, the players that want to be part of his system and part of the temple and, and go from there. I, I think, uh, honestly, if it doesn't, doesn't work out in the next year, I don't know if it's four years, but if it doesn't work out, I know the buyout's a big discussion and debated, but um, he's he's going to be here. He's going to be there next year. So it's, you got to root and hope that uh, players come in that that fit his system, and hopefully wins come. Yeah, yeah, we could discuss in the future too about who's going to be the starting quarterback next year. We've got a uh, a true freshman coming in that's extremely high ranked and rated, but we're not going to talk about any of that. Um, on this episode, uh, speaking of transfers, Raymond Davis uh, this week committed to Vanderbilt. Officially, he had one offer with Vanderbilt, and I don't think he wanted to wait around. It's also probably really tough to just wait around during COVID times and being unsure. And I'm not sure. I mean, he made the best decision for him, and I don't doubt that. But going to a program like Vanderbilt where your head coach the head coach was just fired the weekend before and then committing there doesn't seem as like stable and sure I say stable and sure of like you don't even know what kind of offense going to be run you don't know like you can't be promised anything that's just I'm curious was he was he instructed or was he guided that hey you may not be getting anything else just just take this Vanderbilt thing before it's gone you know well did he commit before the coach was fired no he was offered before the coach was fired coach was fired and then he committed interesting such an odd that you don't ever see that so yeah. he must just love Nashville and country music yeah uh, what else you got for anything for Temple Temple Owls football I think we're gonna have a busy you know, for our podcast, we'll have a busy spring with SEMO um, football. But I think this year, more so than other years, we'll be busy tracking, you know, recruits. Not only recruits, but I think this year we'll be loaded with Transfer. uh, who, transfers. Who's staying, who's coming. That extra year of eligibility adds a twist that has never been seen in college football before um, for, a, for a school like Temple. How do you how do you? Yeah, you know, one win um, this past year. So, how do you rebuild uh, for next year? Do you do it through classic recruiting, getting young kids and building it your way, or, or do you try to go the JUCO route and grad transfers and, and try to have those quick fixes, patch some holes? Um, I've I've seen it done multiple different ways, and I've seen it done wrong terribly. Uh, being a Kansas Jayhawk fan, so as a fan of Temple. Um, it's this is a time to keep an eye on what type of um, young men are being brought to your program and uh you know root for your coach but at the same time have high expectations and that's that's all you can do for right now but yeah speaking of high expectations somebody posted in the uh temple owls football facebook page forum what are your expectations for next season and did you see that comment there about like 60 comments on there no, I didn't see that. What was it? It's just posted, and um, some the most logical one and responses were a conference championship and go to a bowl game. That's what that's what uh, compete for conference championship and go to a bowl game. That's what our program has continually done over the last five years, 
And that is what our program should be doing. That's the standard we should be at. That's the minimum. Compete yeah. for a conference championship. So in you should be in the conference championship game every year. That's the expectation. And then getting to a bowl game is is automatic in that. Yeah. Um, that's that's the expectations, and we're not meeting that, and we're not even close to meeting that. Um, and that's what's most frustrating to the to the Owls fans. And then if you add on top of that, um, I said national championship or fire Ed Carey. That was my comment. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people liked it. Even um, the the originator of the post, you know, who also has been liking a lot of my comments about getting Rod Carey out of there, firing Rod Carey, clearly agreeing with me on my biggest um, stance in that in that chat is the there is a locker room issue with players not liking Rod Carey on that roster, and. Hall of Famer Paul Boo Boo Palmer has agreed with me on pretty much every comment I make. He likes all my comments and replies to all my comments on there. Paul Palmer, legend of the game, Heisman Trophy candidate in the 80s, and uh, Kansas City Chiefs returner um, in the 80s and 90s. So um, he's a legend, and he agrees with me. College Football Hall of Famer. So I think I think I'm right. You know, I think he 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 agrees with that as well. So. It's interesting. I think it's something to watch closely. I think there may be more trickling. Brendan Mack, top wide receiver, probably out as well. We haven't. I don't. Uh, Jaden Blue isn't. Jaden Blue is only like a sophomore, I think. Um, so we got plenty more time with him. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jaden Blue enters the transfer portal too, which would be scary as hell. So I, I don't have anything else to talk about the Owls right now. I maybe would like to look at the positives next next episode and. And uh, look at our recruits. Who's coming in? Who's committed? And uh, and whatnot. So maybe we'll look at that next week. Yep. I got nothing else for the show, Tony. What do you got? That's it. Enjoy. Uh, have a good work weekend. And hopefully, college football center is right around that corner. Yes. Let's hope this OSU Michigan uh, game does not get canceled. Go Owls. Go Bucks. Peace. We got drunk, I don't be good.